you pray with me, please? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you once again that even as we have sung that song, our prayer, that we can just pause before we open up our Bibles, which is a relatively easy thing to do. And pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, which is not easy, which no man can do, but you can. And so, Father, open up our hearts to receive your truth so that having heard it, we might live it. And in living it, so praise and adore you as our Lord and our God. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this afternoon, we want to uh, come to the Heidelberg Catechism, and I want to take up um, a section in the Catechism on uh, the Lord's Prayer. That's where we are as a congregation, and so um, I thought uh, this naturally works to, to be able to look at with you this, this afternoon. Uh, just a little change in, in plans from what I uh, told Lisa uh, to put in the bulletin, which she put exactly in the bulletin, what I asked her to put in the bulletin, and I was going to change that with her before she printed it or before it was, it was printed and, and it didn't get in and totally my fault. Um, but I, I just want to bump it a Lord's Day. Instead of Lord's Day 48, I actually want to look at Lord's Day 49 with you in, in that prayer on um, the will of God. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the, the third request, the third petition. There are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. This is the third, and it relates to the will of God. And of course, that, that language, will of God, is, is not unfamiliar to us, not, not simply because it's in this familiar phrase and in this um, familiar prayer, uh, but it's familiar to us because we oftentimes use this language, the will of God, right? The prayer is, Lord, let your will be done. The will of God, let it be done. We use that language. Bethel Church, I, I, I guess I didn't even look to see what you call it. Um, okay, that, there you go. God, God's will for our lives. I probably should have looked at this before I said it, but at Bethel Church, as at Faith Church, you refer every Sunday morning to your scripture lesson, Exodus 20, Ten Commandments. In our church, it fluctuates from time to time between the Ten Commandments or other places. This is God's will for your life. Right? So we're familiar with the language, God's will. That language that refers to God's directives, God's commandments, uh, the directions that he gives to us, do this and live. It's, it's that kind of thing. The will of God. This is God's will for you. Obey mom and dad. Okay? Don't slander. Don't use God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, the commands, directives. Okay, that's one sense in which we use that language, will of God. Very familiar with it. But we're also familiar with the phrase, the will of God, in terms of, if I can put it this way, I know it sounds a little bit odd, but in terms of our struggle. We use the phrase, the will of God, in terms of our struggle. Now, I put it that way because we oftentimes ask questions in our lives that are questions of struggle, and we say, what is God's will for my life? What does God desire in his will for 
where I should go next year, what I should do for a career, what I'm going to settle on in my learning path in college, for that matter, what college should I go to? Should I go to college? Who should I marry? Who should I date? What's God's will for my life? We use that language in in the context of of a struggle. And, And here we're not talking now about directives and commandments. We're talking about God's plans and purposes, right? We're talking about these things that we can struggle with that, that are unclear. Fifth commandment, clear. Seventh commandment, clear. God's plan and purpose for my life, not always clear. Now, strictly speaking, the the third request deals with only one of these two ideas, right? It, It deals with just the idea of obeying God's revealed will. It's not talking so much about his hidden will. We're saying, God, help me to obey your will as willingly and readily as the angels above obey your will, right? So we're talking about God's revealed will, not his hidden will. But I mention these two ideas of God's will because I think they naturally interact with each other. And they can sometimes in our lives be a battle against each other. What do I mean? Well, that's what I want to look at with you this afternoon. So let's first of all get Lord's Day 49 in front of us. Lord's Day 49. And it says this. It's just one question and answer. What does the third petition, what does the third request mean? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means help us. So there you go. Help and all people to renounce our own wills. And without any back talk to obey your will. For it alone is what? Good. Okay? It takes a lot of faith to say that, right? Help everyone carry out his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Okay, so there's the Lord's Day. Now, the text that I want to look at in light of this is still from Matthew, but... It's not Matthew 6, it's rather Matthew 26. Matthew 26. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew 26, and I want to begin reading at verse 36. I'm going to read down to the end of verse 42. It's a very timely passage in light of the week that we find ourselves within, the Passion Week of our Savior, leading up to Good Friday. We're going to be reading the celebration of the Lord's Supper form here just shortly um, in light of this Good Friday. But but listen to what we read as, as Jesus comes to this ultimate suffering. Verse 36, Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping 
And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Thus far. So I want to look at this idea with you this afternoon, this idea of a battle of the wills, right? Sometimes we feel a battle of the wills in our home when we're raising our kids, right? A battle of the wills. Well, we, we see, we experience in this life battle, battle of wills. That, in fact, is even what we find in this text. So with that kind of broad heading, I, I, I want to look at the battle of the wills and see that it's fought in prayer, first of all. And then second of all, it's resolved with trust. It's fought in prayer and then it is resolved with trust. So clearly Matthew 26, right? We find Jesus minutes away from his betrayal and ultimate crucifixion where he'd be forsaken by his father so that Praise God, we would not be forsaken by God the Father because of all of our sins against him. And at this point, we see a number of things taking place. We see that the circle is, is, is getting smaller, right? Jesus is moving away from the, the, the large crowds and, 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 and the circle is shrinking and, and so now he's just with the disciples, and, and now he's even with the inner circle of the disciples. He's just with Peter and, and the sons of, of Zebedee. Jesus needs some quiet time. He needs to pray. We see that he needs this fellowship, especially with those who are closest to him. And the question is why? Why? Why does he just need this level of quietness, this level of intimacy? And that why question is answered with two words that you never would think would be associated with our Savior. Look at the text. It says, he was sorrowful and he was troubled. Jesus was sorrowful and he was troubled. And I think these words need, need to really minister to us because we can sometimes think of Jesus just kind of going through the motions, right? He's, he's perfect God. He knows the plans. He knows the purposes. He, he knows God's will. He knows the decretive will of God. In other words, he knows the revealed will of God. He knows the hidden will of God. He, he knows how it's all going to end. And for us, that's oftentimes where, where the struggle is. Like we don't know where the end of the struggle is. And so we're on the struggle bus, not knowing when we get off of it. And, and we're just like, if we knew the end of it, then we're like, okay, we can endure this, right? It's all going to get better because we know how it's going to end, but we don't know how it's going to end. And so we struggle. We think to ourselves, if I knew, then I'd be happy, right? Then I could rejoice, but I don't know how God's plans and purposes are going to work out. I don't know how much suffering I'm going to have to go through. I don't know how long I'm going to have to endure this. And we almost kind of suspend almost our, our worship and our, and our joy because, like, I don't know. Notice Jesus knows the beginning from the end. He knows the plan. He knows the purpose. He knows, like the language of the catechism, he knows it's good. 
Because God's will is his will. His will is God's will. And yet, what do we read? Jesus was sorrowful. The the word could be translated, he, he was grieved. He's troubled. Here again, it, it could be translated, he, he, is, he is weighted down. And you meet someone, you're like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like, just, just wearing it on your face, right? Okay, that's Jesus here. There's no hiding it. It's on his face. Jesus is like this, and he knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. The reality is so do you. We don't just sit here and go, well, if I really knew how this is all going to work out. Well, believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Of course, we know how it all works out. We're all going to live happily ever after. Amen? Right? Amen. Amen. Absolutely, we know how it's going to work out. And yet even in knowing how it works out, even claiming the promises and clinging to these promises, there can still be sorrow. There can still be trouble. So with all this going on, what does Jesus do? He talks to his father. Talks to his father. If that's not, there's a beautiful picture of being a troubled son in a troubled spot. I need to talk to dad. He prays. He prays because our knowing and our feeling can sometimes cross wires and cancel each other out, right? What we know. And yet what we feel get crossed and there's sparks, right? And and when those wires get crossed and and I get concerned about God's plans and purposes and start wondering about it and start doubting it and start, I don't know, like getting lost on me, that understanding of God's will, right? When I start doubting that aspect of God's will, When I lose peace here, that's when I can start going off the rails in terms of the other understanding of God's will, right? Like, hey, I'm I'm, I'm not sure that God's got this, that sense of God's will. So I guess I better go off script, go off the path and start doing my own things in a little different way. That sense of the term will. Let me try and illustrate this, right? Just a simple example. But, but maybe applicable, I don't know. Starting to get a little nervous about the economy. Start getting a little nervous about these banks that are just like going belly up. Starting to get nervous about the fact that you got China and Russia and now Saudi Arabia coming together with their currency trying to undermine and undervalue the U.S. dollar that could absolutely, positively just like make inflation go absolutely crazy. So I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with my retirement accounts? Am I going to have enough? Am I going to be able to live? Am I going to be able to survive? We start worrying about what God's will is in this area of our life. 
And because we don't know, because we get nervous, because we get anxious, then, then we say that aspect of God's will. Then the other aspect, well, then maybe we should stop doing what he has revealed and called us to do, which is to be charitable and to give. I don't know that it's more blessed to give. So you have that revealed commandment, charity, generosity, and, and, and we go, nah, I don't know. I don't know that we should be doing that because I'm not so sure I understand what's going on over here. Right? Simple example. But see how these two ideas of will connect? Because I feel unsure about this aspect of God's will, I stop doing what he has clearly revealed as his will. And here's the temptation that Jesus is facing, all related to this kind of battle of the wills, as I'm calling it. Except it's a battle because he does know what God's will is. It is hell, it is a cross, it is shame, it is sorrow, it is suffering. So what does he do in the face of this? Again, he prays. Notice Jesus lives by and lives out his own lesson to his own disciples. He doesn't say it's good for thee, but not for me. We see that right with authorities. Not even just inconsistency. We're all inconsistent, but we see this hypocrisy today, right? It's good for thee, but not for me. Jesus is not that kind of Lord. He is not that kind of elder brother to you. The same tools he gives you to live by and glorify God by are the same tools that he uses. He doesn't just give you the, the little tykes plastic drill that I got or gave my kids I remember seeing it around anyway, right? You, you pull the string in the back and a little plastic drill bit goes like that. And Ooh, Johnny, you got a drill. Man, oh man, you can, you can start drilling things around and walking around. It's a toy. It's plastic. It's not a drill. No offense, kids, but it's not the same tool that maybe dad has. We get the same tool. No plastic toy, little tyke substitute. The same tool that Jesus uses to plead with his Father, help me, Abba. Same tool he gives to you. He fights this battle, and it's a real battle. He fights it in prayer. In other words, he, he doesn't put up a front. He doesn't pretend in prayer. He doesn't seek to sound syrupy in prayer. He says, this is going to hurt. Is there any way around this? My soul is troubled. And yet not my will, but your will be done. And he prays that a second time. I really think that should minister to us as well. Jesus didn't just say, Lord, if it's possible, I pray this cup would pass. Nevertheless, not my will, your will. He comes out of prayer is like, all right, that was good, right? All good. We're good now. Praise it a second time. 
In other words, it's not just some two-second prayer and there you go. Now you're off the struggle bus and now you're on easy street. No. It's a battle. Sometimes we have that, you know, that bar, right? Like, well, I, well, I prayed the prayer and, man, I still I just don't feel like I have this peace. I, I don't know if this is working. It's a battle. Jesus didn't just pray it once. Pray it twice. Multiple times. I had plantar fasciitis. If you don't know anything about plantar fasciitis, it's a weird word anyway, but it's basically when you got the tendon on the bottom of your foot, it's not working too well. I could barely walk. It, it got like really bad. For two years, I had to deal with treatment for plantar fasciitis. Going for treatment, going for treatment, going for treatment, going for treatment. It's a battle. Praise God, I can run now. I run. Before I could barely walk, now I can run. A couple miles a day, there you go. Here's the point. Prayer is a battle. It's coming to our Father again and again and again. And wrestling. Because we feel like we can barely walk. But we want to run. But we're weighed down. Jesus, weighed down. Trouble. Same word. Father, ease this burden. Once. Twice. Again. And again. And he says, God, your will alone is good. That's easy to say. We know that. But we can wonder. So, he fights in prayer. But it's all resolved in trust. And that's our last point. What's so amazing about our passage is that we have the prayer of Jesus recorded that interesting don't just read in our passage Jesus prayed we have the actual prayer that he prayed he said father if it is possible let this cup pass from me and here's the thing In giving us this prayer and knowing what he prayed, we know that the Father says to his Son something that we might never imagine God the Father saying to God the Son. He says, no. No, it's not possible. No. No. You may not go around the cross. You you may not have this cup pass. You must submit to my will as your father. So you see the temptation that Jesus is under, right? He's tempted to not obey the fifth commandment, which would be a violation of the first commandment and the second commandment and the third commandment. And and it's when we hear in God's providence the word no 
That is where we are tempted to, to just chuck it all. Right? Jesus doesn't chuck it all. What does he do? He renounces his will and he trusts his father's will. The temptation is, well, wait a second. If you're going to close this door and you're going to close this door and you're not going to open this door, you're not, I've been praying fervently that you would open that door and you're not. It's either closed door here or an open door here. I want that one, but I don't want that one. What's going on? I don't even understand your will. What's the point in obeying you? What's the point in serving you? Again, see where these ideas of wills come together? And when God the Father says to his son, son, no. No, it's not possible. Instead of Jesus chucking it, he renounces his will and says, Father, I will trust you. I will trust your plan and purpose, that sense of will. And I will obey you. That sense of will. And so in the face of saying, if it's possible, he says, not my will, your will be done. Second time, if this is the only way, blessed be your name, your will be done. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, I will trust you. You will not abandon me. You will not forever forsake me. The cross that can look only hellish is accomplishing a great work. And so for the joy that is set before me, I endure its shame, its agony, because you are going to bring beauty from ashes. The battle of wills is fought in prayer. It's acknowledged in prayer. It's talked about in prayer. But the only way it's ever going to be resolved in any of our lives is when we say, trust you. I trust you because you're my father. You're worthy not just of my obedience but of my patience. You're worthy to be waited on. In other words, we don't have to look at every life situation and think, final chapter, here we go, this is the end. Black and bleak. The final word of Jesus' ministry was not the horror of the cross, but the conquering of the grave. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. You see, everything that would stop me from obeying God's will as it's revealed needs to be resolved. And trust. To say, God, I trust you enough that what you say about how to use my body, I believe you. I trust you enough that despite how I want to just rage against the machine, I, I, I trust you. Vengeance is yours. I can live at peace with all men. Even though I feel like totally keeping a record of all these wrongs, I I will forgive even as I've been forgiven. I'll remember the gospel. Because I trust you. 
I'm, I'm, I'm in your hands. You're on the throne. Your plans and purposes are good. I'm going to believe my beliefs. I'm going to doubt my doubts. I'm going to trust. Because there is nothing worse than being outside of God's will. Like as a child, I, I want to be right smack dab in the middle of God's will. I want to please him. I want to honor him who has loved me. And how do you know you're there? When you trust. When you obey. And because that's so hard, Jesus said, pray. And we're going to do that in just a minute. But before we do that, we're going to read from our form here. So I think it says an insert. Your bulletin wasn't mine. So I'm just going to read this. I'm 